It's the Messiah Community Radio Talk Show. This is Michael James Lauren, your host. We got a great guest. Robert Walgamuth is our guest. He's the author of Lies Men Believe and the Truth That Sets Them Free. We've been wanting to talk about this subject for a long time because it ruins ministries and ruins lives when you think about all the things that uh, men can believe that uh, things go wrong. And uh, well, he's with us. Welcome to the program. Thank you, Michael. It's great to be with you, friend. Our sponsors with over 90 years experience in developing audio electronics. Bayer Dynamics stands for innovative audio products with the highest sound quality and pioneering technology. Two business divisions, consumer and installation, provide tailored solutions for professional and private users. All products are developed in Germany and primarily manufactured by hand. From headphones to microphones and conference and interpretation systems. For more information, please visit north-america.bayerdynamic.com. And by Vocal Booth To Go carries a complete line of products and accessories specifically designed for voiceover actors, audio professionals, podcasters, producers, and studio owners to help them get professional results for their clients. It's your go-to place for sound treatment, soundproofing, portable, and mobile vocal booths. Visit VocalBoothToGo.com for more information. And by Hamilton Stands, founded in 1883 in Hamilton, Ohio, Hamilton Stands is the oldest music and instrument stand maker in the world. They offer a broad range of sheet music stands, band and orchestra instrument stands, and combo stands, including mic stands, guitar and keyboard stands, and accessories. In fact, the broadcast you're listening to is made using a Hamilton stage rocker mic stand. Visit HamiltonStands.com. And Orlex Acoustics has one mission, to make you sound your best. Thousands of satisfied Orlex customers have experienced improved acoustics, along with free expert advice, total sound control products from Orlex. Enjoy widespread use among prominent artists, producers, engineers, and corporations worldwide. Remember, it's not your gear, it's the room. Visit Orlex.com for more information. And great audio starts with great gear. And Zoom's 30-year reputation promises quality and affordability. Visit zoom-na.com today for recorders, audio interfaces, effects pedals, and more. We're Zoom, and we're for creators. Yeah, Robert is the best-selling author of over 20 books, including She Calls Me Daddy, The Notes to the Dad's Devotional Bible, The Most Important Place on Earth, and What's in the Bible, co-written by the late Dr. R.C. Sproul. Also, he's married to Nancy DeMoss, which you know now, uh, Walgamuth. And so, uh, congratulations to you. Thank you, Michael. Thank you, thank you. I'm a, I'm a blessed man, let's say. You are. You really are. So, yeah. now... Tell us about this book because, um, you know, sometimes we get a little too comfortable as men. We think that we, we got this. And there are all kinds of areas where we can fall. And where, where would you like to start? Wow. Well, let me just say that you mentioned Nancy, my wife. Her best-selling book is a book called Lies Women Believe. She wrote that book 17 years ago, uh, now well over a million copies in print. So when we were dating, she said, you know, over the years, various men authors have approached me and said, you know, there needs to be a male sequel to this book. There needs to be a lies men believe. And she said, I just never felt clarity to go ahead with that. But she said, now I'm about to marry an author. Would you be interested? And I said, well, of course. So <laughs> uh, it's been a privilege, honestly, to come in the wake of lies women believe. Um, and we actually spent two summers ago sitting on the deck behind our home in Michigan, 
she was rewriting the uh, original Lies Women Believe, and I was writing Lies Men Believe, so we spent the summer writing lies. So when people ask us, oh, how's your summer? He said, well, it's been very interesting. We've been sitting on our deck writing lies. Yeah, but and, and we say in the introduction, yeah. liar, liar, pants on fire. You didn't say that yeah, to that's me. Right. Remember that one? Yeah. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, and I tell the story about where that came from. You'll have to read the book to find out. All right, so I begin to unpack this assignment, writing the book Lies Men Believe. And, you know, the, the whole idea of Lies Women Believe was that Eve was deceived in the Garden of Eden. In fact, the Apostle Paul, in one of his letters to, to Timothy, says specifically, Eve was deceived, but Adam was not. So you say, okay, so if Adam was not deceived, what was he? What, what happened in that setting? What, what was the lie, and how did he come to believe it? So uh, we actually spent maybe 30 days unpacking the answer to those questions, and we think and we've had lots of interesting conversations since this book has come out with men, with theologians, with women, with pastors. And, and honestly, our ideas have been confirmed over and over again as to what happened. So let's, let's take the setting. God has spoken to Adam and he said, there is a tree. It's got a big no sign on it. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You cannot have that. Everything else in the garden, you can enjoy yourself. But no, you cannot enjoy yourself at that tree. You can't touch that fruit. You can't eat that fruit, actually, is what he said. So now the next scene that we know of, the, the serpent, Satan, is having a conversation with Eve. Not with Adam, but with Eve. And so, of course, the deception is that Satan, the serpent, says to Eve, now, did God really say that? And he plants this uncertainty in Eve's mind. So where's Adam during this conversation? This Sounds really like he's just hanging out. Uh, I well, mean, and, he's and not there. How do we he's know not that? There. How do, well, how do we know that? Well, because it says, the scripture Genesis 3 says that Eve took of the fruit, because it was beautiful, and she ate it. And then it says, the scripture says, she gave it to Adam, and he also took it and ate it. So unless she had a good arm and threw it to him, she probably just handed it to him. What does that mean? That means that most likely Adam was right there. And so even, now think of this, God had spoken to Adam. He must have told his wife about the conversation that he had with God. Now Eve, she's not talking to God, she's talking to Satan. And Satan's planting this doubt in her mind. He's deceiving her. And so, so she takes it. What does Adam do? He doesn't say anything. He does nothing. This passive man stands there, watches his son disobey the sovereign God of the universe, and he says nothing. So what is he thinking? And, and I don't think you just say, well, he wasn't thinking, because he was thinking. But he must have been thinking, I would rather disobey a holy God than disappoint my wife. Now, there's a lesson, right? There is a big lesson that comes out of this story. So he's the first one that said, yes, dear. That's <laughs> just like that. <laughs> exactly like that. This whining, passive husband. Huh. Okay, so let's say, Michael, that you and I have a chance after Adam and Eve get tossed from the garden. 
and they're wearing these in interesting garments I can only imagine. And let's say that we find a stump of a tree. Now, there probably weren't any stumps because no chainsaws at that point. But let's say we find a place to sit down. It's just you and Adam and me, Michael, Robert, and Adam. And we look into his face and we say, now, Adam, tell us this story. And he re retells the story that we know so well. And then we say to him, we ask him a question. Adam, did you know that you were disobeying God when you took the fruit and ate it? What would he say? He would say yes. He would say absolutely yes. So I'm doing well. I'm, do I get do points for every question I get yes, right? Yes, you do. Yes, that's right. I wish we had a little, a little ding, 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 ding. Like you <laughs> won something. something. Well done. That's right. So what's the point? Well, let's, let's turn the clock ahead to, to contemporary news. I read an article yesterday about a mega church pastor whose life, in a word, is toasted. It's mm. over. It's over. so often. And in fact, I know this particular pastor very well. Mm. And um, it's actually been quiet for the last few days, weeks, actually, between us. And I will have an opportunity to meet with him at some point. And here's what I'll ask him. I'll say, did you know that what you were doing was a really stupid thing? Mm. Did you know that you were doing the wrong thing? What would he say? Yeah. He would say, I have a doctorate degree in theology. I've been pastoring a church for 30 years. Every Sunday I preach to between 12 and 15,000 people. Are you serious? Of course. Mm. So then you and I would say, okay, what was going on? And here's what he would say. He would say, this is a very smart man. I guarantee he's a very smart man. He would say, well, I figured that someday I'd work this out. Someday I'd put the pieces together. And because I'm really good on my feet and really good at speaking and articulating things, that I would find my way out of this trouble. I would get out of it somehow. I would cross this bridge when I got to it. And there it is. There is the foundational lie that men believe that more often than not, we sin with our eyes open. And over the years, I've had the joy of teaching Sunday school and in doing so have become like a lay pastor to lots of people. And I've had the chance, in, in some cases, the, the traumatic opportunity to sit down with men who had been somehow caught in a sin. And after you know a few conversations, a few uh, hours perhaps of travailing, they finally said, yeah, you're right. And I say, what, what was going on? And they say, well, I figured that someday this would all work out. I wouldn't have to face the consequences of my behavior. And so here's the deal. In fact, when Nancy and I were dating, and it obviously wasn't, you know, sinning against the holy God kind of things, but it was, it was like, okay, so, you know, we're going to move into the house that Nancy had built for herself. She's a tiny little woman, and I'm a big man. We're... We're 10 years apart in age. And I'm you look good together. I've seen the pictures, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> she, she's a little one. So she would say, okay, so like, uh, we're going to move into the bedroom upstairs? Well, that's not a big bed. And I say, well, we'll figure that out. Say, okay, well, let's see. My bathroom upstairs is, you know, it's got all these beautiful flowery prints. So like, you're going to shower <laughs> in that 
feminine. I said, well, <laughs> she says, well, I'm a night person. Nancy comes alive at 10 o'clock at night. I'm dead at 10 o'clock at night, but I'm a morning guy. I love to see the sun come up. What are we going to do? And what's my answer? We'll figure that out. Well, we're having fun with this conversation, but at some point it doesn't become fun. It doesn't become mm. where we as men knowingly, knowingly, often sin, step into sin. We, we double click on that icon on our computers, knowing exactly what we're doing. Nobody has snuck up on us. Nobody's deceiving us. We know what we're doing. And we say to ourselves, someday I'll figure this out. I'll cross this bridge when I get there. So we're in good company. Uh, yeah, it's true though. I don't think enough people admit just the, you know like a me too, <laughs> a me too moment. Uh, how many yeah, people? That's right. That, yeah, you know, that's right. They're behind the computer, and sometimes that happens, and yeah. or all kinds of different situations. Just that's to right. just to let you know, our audience too, that your uh, your wife, who is very illustrious, um, she's known, of course, Nancy Lindemoss, now Nancy uh, Walgamuth. And, um, and of course, Chris, your radio host and author, you've heard her on the shows Revive Our Hearts and Seeking Him, which is heard on like a thousand radio stations. So just to let you know. And, uh, and just before you continue on, I was going to say, you must have a lot in common. I mean, both of you have written like a million books too. And uh, yeah. we'll, we'll get to that later. Yeah, but we've it, killed a lot of trees. That's, yeah. that's what we have in common. We've sawed <laughs> down get, a bunch of trees. We want to find out about the marriage too, but let's get back to the bathroom. So what, I mean, what happened to all this? Get back to the bathroom. Somebody <laughs> just tuned in and they're thinking, wow, what did I <laughs> Well, the bottom line is um, there, there, there's more than one bathroom in this house. And so I've claimed one and I've got the wallpaper I like and we're good to go. That's good. Figure, yeah, so we're, that, we, we, we worked that out. We crossed that bridge and we got to it. So, yeah. And, and actually, it's this has been being a part of Nancy's ministry. And I do refer to it as our ministry. I work. I own my own company. And so I can live anywhere. So we live within a couple of miles of the ministry headquarters, Revive Our Hearts in Southwest Michigan. And, and I love it. We're having the time of our lives. We're both really busy. I married a very busy woman, as I said, 10 years yes. younger than me. In fact, you'll love this story, Michael. When we were dating, Nancy said to me, look, if this doesn't work out with us, my mother's still available. <laughs> now, now she's just kidding there just a little elbow there yeah her this is her story in a nutshell she lost her daddy nancy was 21 years old art demos arthur s demos uh died in his early 50s nancy had six siblings at the time wow uh and she was she was she was the eldest and never planned to get married she felt like the lord had called her to have a ministry as a single woman mm. and her ministry extended not just to single people, but to married people. She was a champion, a great champion of marriage. So I knew Nancy because I'm a literary agent. I represent authors. I connect authors with publishers. Now don't mm. worry. I don't care if your mother writes great poetry. I'm not going to help her. <laughs> you must get that question. <laughs> when I tell people that, I never tell people that on an airplane because everybody you know has a mother who writes. Well, they all have a little hope. Maybe they'll. That's exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So, um, so I represented Nancy's publishing work in the early 2000s, 2003, 2004. So she met my late wife. I'd been married for almost 45 years wow. by the time Bobby stepped into heaven. Hmm. 
And so they, they had a friendship. They knew each other, loved each other, had a lot of things in common. So then Bobby was diagnosed with cancer, mm. stage four ovarian cancer in 2012. And they remained in contact with each other. Nancy came to visit our home in Orlando. I mean, very sweet relationship. So when, uh, and actually Nancy invited Bobby and me, uh, our two daughters and our oldest granddaughter on Revive Our Hearts. And we talked about uh, singing hymns as a family. So we all knew each other. It was a very sweet thing. So two months before Bobby stepped into heaven, she said to two friends, I would like Robert to marry Nancy Lee DeMoss. Wow. But she never, but she never told me that. Hmm. So I knew her brother. Of course, I knew her, as I said, professionally. So uh, several months after Bobby stepped into heaven, I reached out to Nancy's brother. And, you know, this is like junior high, right? Do you think if I ask your friend to go out, <laughs> you'll say yes, right? So I said, well, tell me about Nancy. Tell me about her marital situation. He said, Nancy's committed to being single. She doesn't really have plans to get married. So fast forward, uh, those two friends did come forward after Nancy and I began to date and said, this is what Bobby wanted you to do. So then in May of 2015, we were engaged. And, um, and so I said to her, said to Nancy, this single woman for 56 years, I would love for you to have the wedding of your dreams. And she looked at me and she said, you know what? I've never dreamed about a wedding. Hmm, wow. Husband. I really felt called in a first Corinthians seven kind of way to ministry as a single person with no divided loyalties, you know, never wondering, I wonder what my husband thinks or should I move or should I start this or do that? So she was very independent. Just imagine 56 years, not married. And then suddenly she wakes up and here's this, big old guy lying in bed next to her. And she's saying, in fact, she wrote a book called Adorned. And yes. the marriage chapter, the first sentence of the marriage chapter is in quotes. And it says, what in the world have I done? <laughs> <laughs> and she was quoting herself after s several months of marriage, looking over late one night while I'm lying <laughs> there sleeping. Oh. She's saying to herself, what on earth have I done? But let me tell you what, this has been really sweet. This is a woman filled with grace. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, you talk about setting your ways, right? Um, she's a woman of grace and it's, our marriage has been pure joy. And I mean to tell you, I married a grown up. You know, when couples get married, I don't know how old you were when you got married, but they have a lot of growing up to do. So their arguments tend to be more volatile and frequent. And when we were dating, I said to Nancy, so what's our first fight going to be about? And by fight, I meant fight. Obviously not fisticuffs, but verbal fight, right? She said, well, I don't know. She said, do we have to fight? And I said, well, in my experience, <laughs> it happens. Well, I'm going to tell you something. This is for the record, Michael. We've been married for, in fact, we count months. We just celebrated our 39th anniversary. 39th. Wow. The 14th of every month is an anniversary. Cards, flowers. <laughs> I was going to say, there. okay. Yeah, it's cool. <laughs> we've not had any fights. Uh, we've had some disagreements, of course, you know, um, because you have two strong, independent people. Is that because of her? She sounds so nice, you know, on the yeah. radio. You know? <laughs> Are you kidding me? You sound me? nice, too. You sound nice, too. I'm a jerk. I'm no, I'm a jerk. It's all because <laughs> of her. 
Now, it's kind of an agreement. Yeah. We say, you know what? Um, we only have a few years. You know, actuarial tables, I'm 71 years old. I will be in two weeks. Wow. So, and she's 60. Uh, we'll turn 61 this year. So we're not going to have 40 years. You know, we'll be grateful to have 20 years. Mm. So why waste them? In fact, we're writing another book. We've just about, we're about to turn it into a publishing company. And the book is our first book together. So, all right. We've had some fun laughing about getting married and adjusting and so forth. So we've written our first book together after three years of marriage. Now, imagine a good story. I can't, I can't wait to get this book. I don't know, even know what it's about, but I, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you, thanks for excited about the book. (laughs) There you go. So, and I, this is about lies men believe. So the publisher picked up the tab for this conversation. So I don't want to not mention (laughs) this but so, okay. So you're married and you're, you decide to wallpaper the kitchen and you decide to wallpaper the kitchen together. Can you just picture this? So, you know, it doesn't go, that's crooked. No, it's not crooked. Cut here, cut over there. All that, all right? Or like playing doubles tennis with your wife on your side. Not not a good scene, not a good scene. <laughs> so we're writing our first book together. And Nancy's a brilliant editor. Uh, even though she's a good writer, she really fancies herself as an editor. In fact, sometimes I'll say, and I've said in the last 39 months, are you editing me? <laughs> I'm not talking about editing words on a page. So we have finished our first book. Here's the title. And Moody Publishers will release it in September. The title is, You Can Trust God to Write Your Story. Hmm. One more time. You Can Trust God to Write Your Story. That's That's right. Not a good title. Yeah. So the book is about providence. And we do tell our story in the book talk about the loss of my wife so you know after almost 45 years my wife is dead and i'm thinking what am i going to do you know we've had this great marriage we have two wonderful children and five grandkids who are amazing what am i going to do and i if i if i had known the phrase i would have said to myself you know what i can trust god to write this story so we tell that story in the book again it'll be available through moody publishers in uh, September. But then we talk about other stories, people that we know in, in every case. You can trust God to write your story when your child becomes a prodigal, when your child comes out of the closet and announces to you that he or she is gay. You can trust God to write your story when your spouse gets sick, when your spouse dies, when you're dying, when you lose your job, all those kinds of hard situations. We've interviewed these people, and I'm telling you, Michael, it's been a precious experience for us to hear these people's stories. But the story of lies men believe in the law and the story of how this book. Wait a minute, came, wait a minute. You can't awesome. go back after that. That's the, <laughs> okay. You got me all excited about the, this. Well, I mean, we, we do want to talk a little bit about it, but I mean, this is going to be a good book, Robert, that you and Nancy are, are coming out with, you know? And, uh, yeah, and we're, we're very excited about it. We do think that it, it has great potential. Not, I mean, who cares? You know, we, we don't need to be more famous. Trust me. This isn't, <laughs> this isn't the, this isn't the point. The yeah, point is it's real stuff that, uh, that you're sharing yeah. and, and people could relate yeah. to. There's going to be a lot of, you know, a lot of healing for a lot of people reading a book like that because uh, life doesn't always turn out the way you expect it to. And, um, yeah. And giving it over to God that way. And yeah, exactly. he's the fact, author. I was editing that. I was editing that book this morning, the manuscript this morning. And I tell the story about 
going to this really fancy restaurant with a few people. So, you know, we were seated in this private room. It's very nice. And we make our orders. And then when it's, they bring our salads in. And then when it's time to bring the entrees in, three guys joined our server. So four guys, three that we'd never seen before, walk in and, and holding up, they've got trays with plates. That's our entrees. And they've got these stainless steel helmets on our dinners. Can you picture this? <laughs> Right. No. And so they lay them down in front of us and they knew which one was which. And then at the signal, they lift this chrome dome. And there's our entree. There's our dinner. And, and it's really it? interesting because you sit there and you look at that and you say, you could say, well, this isn't what I ordered. Well, the restaurant was so good. There was what we ordered. But that's kind of like Providence. You know, you sit there and the chrome dome is lifted and you look at what your what's on your plate and you could say one of two things you could say i didn't order this i don't want my wife to die can i have a different entree mm. or you look at the guy next to you and say you know like i i like his better than mine and the truth is that god writes the story and it's really at the end of the day for his glory not for yours amen when so, is this book coming so, out you said september september September. People, I want to get it. I know other people are going okay. to want it. Well, we've yeah. sold one. The publisher will be pleased. We've sold one copy. And <laughs> I want you to buy it full retail. Go to a bookstore. <laughs> and no discount. You'll have to come back for that, though. But uh, okay, so now, I mean, that's a beautiful, um, what you said is is absolutely beautiful and um, and true, you know, because uh, I think this is, this is behind everybody's mind when they're thinking, you know, life is not turning out the way I expected. And right. Uh, we have a hard time accepting, you know, God's ways are higher than our ways. That's hard for us. And, uh, you know, we wrestle, fight with God even, um, because we don't accept that. One of the things I say in Lies Men Believe, it has to do with men competing and comparing. Now, Nancy has three brothers, actually one of them's in heaven, but three brothers. She didn't know anything about men, really. She's the oldest. Her daddy was amazing, an incredible man. As I said, he died when she was 21. So she had a lot to learn about what it is to be a man, right? And I've said to her, honey, men compare and compete. I actually talk about this in, in one of the lies. That there are 40 lies in Lies Men Believe. But in, in truth, back to our providence subject, what God has for me is for me. It's not for you. It's not for the next guy. It's for me. And he knows exactly what I need. Mm. He knows what I what I want, and I can trust him to write the story. That's a big thing. Mm-hmm. Are you sure you weren't sent just to minister to me? You're ministering to me. Oh, I'm, I'm happy to. Oh, listen, let me tell you what. Let me tell you a really important thing. I want I want the people who are listening to this to get it to understand what I'm doing. This isn't a book. It's a conversation. We're not talking on the phone, or if a guy picks up and be, begins to read the book. This isn't a book. This isn't a, a, a thing with, with paper pages and words printed or an electronic reader. This is a conversation. There's a cup of coffee between me and him. And my goal in writing this book was to have a fun, but a deep conversation where the guy is saying, you know what? That's me. Let's talk about that. And I'm able to look into his eye and say, so that was a lie you were believing, isn't it? And he's able to say, yeah, it was. But he's not threatened. 
I'm, I'm not sitting there writing notes as we talk. I'm pouring coffee into his cup. There's no microphone. There's no platform. We're, we're having a heart-to-heart conversation. And so, the most important thing think, about it is that it's, it's out in the open, if you will. You talked about that pastor. Uh, a lot of pastors who are you know, high-profile, if you will, it's the isolation that there's no one to turn to, to, to share absolutely. vulnerabilities. Oh, that's perilous. That's the most dangerous thing, thinking that I'm living in isolation and I can, I can do this on my own. That's, yeah. that's a huge lie. That's a problem. So anyway, there well, you go. Yeah, thank you. I mean, there's a lot. Once again, the book uh, Lies Men Believe and the Truth That Sets Them Free. Robert Walgamuth, our special guest, and he's the husband. I could say that way of Nancy, you know, Nancy Lee DeMoss, but now Nancy Walgamuth and uh, Revive Our Hearts and a Christian author, of course. Some of the um, just the topics they have in the book uh, Lies Men Believe, uh, Lies Men Believe About God, About Themselves, About Sex, About Sin. Marriage and family, work, wealth, circumstances, and I think it's this is a very important. And by the way, it is even though there you know there are uh, words on a page, it's very well written and is substantial you. when you look at it. It has a lot of substance. It's, this is no fluff book. This is a book that uh, uh, a lot of men are going to need and should get, and because uh, I think they're, I think the wife, let's just say puts a lot of trust in the husband as the, as the rock, if you will. But yet the husband has all kinds of. Uh, shortcomings and they could be on the computer doing who knows what and and, and they right. need to kind of come to terms with with these lies so they can work it out as you said yeah. and before it's it's not too late and to, yeah. to save marriages and so forth yeah um well you're you're a blessing would you like to say a prayer for people who i are- would love that oh thank you michael and tell me about your family oh well um you know what i'm one of those guys that i got married later in life okay. uh like like three years ago Wow. Well, we have something in common. So, like, what so, day? It Not was that you care. What day? Oh, wow. Okay. February 28th. Uh, 2016. Yes. Wow. Well, that's a good day. That, I turned 71 on February 28th. Wow. So, we can celebrate that together. Yes, so, we we, we're both kind of newlyweds. <laughs> uh, we'll have, to, we'll have to send cars and, and everything, you know? And <laughs> yeah, don't but, send the flowers. I'm good. <laughs> But well, uh, let me pray. Yes, please. Pray. Yes. Lord, Lord Jesus, thank you for Michael. What a fun conversation. What a cool thing. Just thinking about heaven and about the fact that because we know you and have, have given you our lives, we've confessed our sins and you've reconciled us with the God of the universe, that we are brothers in Christ. So this is a 30 minute conversation, but we have eternity to catch up. So we thank you for that. Thank you for the community of believers. That's a real thing, the body of Christ. So I pray that you bless Michael, bless his ministry. Thank you for his faithfulness, for his marriage. Pray that your name would be lifted up. I pray that Michael's neighbors will know Jesus because they know him. So uh, guide his life, guide his ministry, his work, his career to your glory, for your glory. Thank you for giving us the chance to do stuff that matters. We love you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Robert Walgamuth, our special guest, the book Lies Men Believe and the Truth That Sets Them Free, giving us a lot to chew on. And uh, once again, thanks for being on the program. Thank you, Michael. God bless you, my friend. Our sponsors with over 90 years experience in developing audio electronics, Bayer Dynamics stands for innovative audio products with the highest sound quality and pioneering technology. 
Two business divisions, consumer and installation, provide tailor solutions for professional and private users. All products are developed in Germany and primarily manufactured by hand, from headphones to microphones and conference and interpretation systems. For more information, please visit north-america.bearedynamic.com. And by Vocal Booth to Go carries a complete line of products and accessories specifically designed for voiceover actors, audio professionals, podcasters, producers, and studio owners to help them get professional results for their clients. It's your go-to place for sound treatment, soundproofing, portable, and mobile vocal booths. Visit VocalBoothToGo.com for more information. And by Hamilton Stands, founded in 1883 in Hamilton, Ohio, Hamilton Stands is the oldest music and instrument stand maker in the world. They offer a broad range of sheet music stands, band and orchestra instrument stands, and combo stands, including mic stands, guitar and keyboard stands, and accessories. In fact, the broadcast you're listening to is made using a Hamilton stage rocker mic stand. Visit HamiltonStands.com. And Oralex Acoustics has one mission. To make you sound your best, thousands of satisfied Oralex customers have experienced improved acoustics along with free expert advice, total sound control products from Oralex. Enjoy widespread use among prominent artists, producers, engineers, and corporations worldwide. Remember, it's not your gear, it's the room. Visit Oralex.com for more information. And great audio starts with great gear. And Zoom's 30-year reputation promises quality and affordability. Visit zoom-na.com today for recorders, audio interfaces, effects pedals, and more. We're Zoom, and we're for creators.